Welcome to episode 93 of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. Today's guest, Tom Long, began performing as the Singing Santa in 1985 when he was just 21 years old. He knew that first Christmas he had chosen the right avocation when a curly-headed lad with big brown eyes said he wanted to hear Santa say, Ho, ho, ho. Throughout the years, the magic of Christmas and watching parents light up when their children sit in his lap have fueled Tom's passion for performing as the singing Santa. An invitation to work with Marie Osmond and an appearance on America's Got Talent added a bit of spice to his role. When Tom retires from his day job as the general manager of the largest restaurant chain in Virginia, Tom intends to up his singing Santa Productions, and hopes to perform with the Rockettes and during the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. Tom says his career as a singing Santa would not be possible without the support of his wife. Even his three children help out, making the Christmas season truly a family affair. I began our interview by asking Tom to talk about his children and how he incorporates them into his performances. All three of my children have been involved with Santa at some level, whether they portrayed, you know, Rudolph. I have a, I do quite a few Santa shows and uh, oftentimes we'll have Rudolph or Frosty or Christmas Hippo. We recently added Dominic the Donkey, which is a great song uh, out of the 60s. They've oftentimes helped with uh, my daughter in particular, you know, she would help with uh, managing lines and, and dealing with the children. Ben and Noah, they are music theater background. They have a degree from CNU. All three of my children have their degrees from CNU. And the boys graduated here just a year or so ago. And we decided to incorporate them in being, you know, Jingle and Jangle. Uh, the Elves, they sang a few songs from Elf, the musical. Uh, they did that at uh, Hickory High School. And they did those songs uh, last year for us during the Christmas season. So much has really challenged us with COVID as it has for everyone, but it was sure wonderful to have those boys dress up as elves, uh, really kind of elf the you know from the movie and sing those songs and participate. That was a, a real pleasure to have them uh, be involved that way. Well, the three of you came to my son and daughter-in-law's party that they had Last year for the children, everybody was just absolutely enthralled with your singing and with the boys singing and dancing. And we just had a fabulous time. And I knew right then that I wanted to interview you for the podcast and have you come on. So thank you very, very much. Tell us about some of the experiences the last 36 years. Yeah. Well, there's been there's been many um, incredible moments, situations that have taken place as I portray Santa. Um, I started um, in Akron, Ohio, at the Chapel Hill Mall, and they had a fond tradition of having Santa arrive on a baby elephant. Um, so I had the privilege of doing that in 1985, 86 timeframe. I uh, had met a um, young gentleman. His name was Mike McGinnis. And he was a local Santa. He worked uh, in downtown Akron for the city. And um, he was actually going to um, offer a uh, training course on being Santa. 
And so I went and um, went to that course. Uh, it was really just a couple of gentlemen at the time. And, um, you know, just had such a wonderful time with him. And he worked at Chapel Hill Mall and then um, invited me to come and um, interview for a position. I was only 21 years old, so I was very young. And, um, you know, a lot of the other gentlemen were older. Uh, we were all traditional Santas in the sense that, you know, we wore the uh, traditional beards, uh, the artificial, or some people call them fake. Uh, but that was the way things were done back in 1985. There were really uh, very few uh, real bearded Santas. Uh, I was one of uh, three or four Santas that were hired for that season. And I was so young and enthusiastic that they wanted me to uh, have the coveted position of riding in on the baby elephant. So. Uh, that was exciting and uh, had a lot of wonderful experience that first year. I was um, asked to come to a Christmas party by the photographer. She was um, actually um, giving a party and wanted me to come and be her Santa. And I was quite honored. You know, she could have asked any one of us, some of them with many more experiences uh, years under their belt. But she asked me. And so I went and I was visiting with the children. Uh, there were several children that came up to see me, but one particular boy, he was probably, I don't know, four or five years old, came up and he got on my lap. And, you know, I asked him, of course, you know, what he would like for Christmas. And kind of in a babyish way, he said, oh, oh, Santa, uh, you say ho, ho, ho. And of course, you know, I gave him my best ho, ho, ho. And, and, and the best way to describe it is that he literally lit up like a Christmas tree. He just shook with joy um, in hearing that. And I didn't think much of it. And, you know, I continued to speak with him about what he might like for Christmas. And he told me a few things. He jumped down and, you know, skipped away, excited that he'd seen Santa. He was cute as a button, you know, big brown eyes, big brown curly hair. And um, I didn't give a whole lot of thought to meeting with him until the next day. Um, I received a telephone call from the mother. Uh, who proceeded to tell me with, you know, uh, tears in her voice uh, that he had been deaf up until that year. And the only thing he really wanted for Christmas was to be able to hear Santa say, ho, ho, ho. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So that really, really put things in perspective. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a bike. It wasn't a, you know, a football. None of the material things that we, you know, think about for our gifts at Christmas, but the gift of hearing. That was all he um, wanted to do was to be able to hear something that he was anticipating. And that was Santa, you know, saying ho, ho, ho. So from there, I was hooked. That was my first year's experience. And uh, I just couldn't uh, wait to continue on and, and to see what, what the good Lord had in store for me as Santa. That gave me um, goosebumps. Oh, well, yeah, it did me too. I mean, it just, those are life-changing moments, you know, uh, when they take place. Um, and I've had a lot of fun with the situations. I mean, that first year, again, I, you know, had a mother desperate Christmas Eve, standing in line. You could just see her rocking back and forth. Probably had a million things to do, but she wanted to have her son come and speak to me. And he was probably four years old. And um, she came up to speak to me before he did. And she said, listen, Santa, I'm in, a, I'm in a bind. I said, my son, you know, Johnny, he has um, told me of one thing that he wants for Christmas and not a single thing other than that. And it's driving me 
you know, insane. Here it is Christmas Eve. I can't seem to find things that he might really want. And he's just got this one request. So can you listen to him and listen to his request and see if you can find out anything else? So the little boy, he came up and sat down and I was talking with him. And so I said, you know, Johnny, what is it you want for Christmas? And uh, he said, oh, Santa, I want uh, underarm deodorant like my daddy. <laughs> so <laughs> the one and only thing that he wanted was underarm deodorant like his dad. And I tried, you know, I tried to find out what other interests he had or what he might like. And he just kept repeating that he wanted underarm deodorant like his daddy. So to say the <laughs> least, I'm sure I'm sure he got right guard for Christmas that year. <laughs> Maybe a few other things, um, but that poor mother, she just shook her head. She just knew I couldn't get anything out of him. Yeah. <laughs> so did any of the children notice that you were young? You know, no. Uh, you know, children's perceptions, you know, it's the adults that are more concerned about uh, the physicality of things. My experience has been is that children just see you as Santa and the, you know, the magic of it all, the imagination. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, there was a gentleman, I was at an event and uh, we were talking, he was a, a Santa and he was getting ready to go to visit, you know, uh, kindergartners and first year, first grade children. And uh, as he was getting dressed about 15 minutes before the, he was to come on, he realized he had forgotten his wig and his beard. So um, he frantically began to <laughs> take off the cotton balls that were on the, um, you know, countdown calendars. At, you know, a lot of schools have them. There are pictures of Santa and the, the 24 days. And you put a cotton ball on each, on each day only to have Santa's beard be completed by Christmas Eve. So he began to take these cotton balls and Elmer Lou, and he literally began to glue these cotton balls on his face. <laughs> and, you know, creating, you know, what was basically a cotton ball beard. And he went out and those children didn't question it. They didn't think twice. They just was visiting with Santa and fulfilling their Christmas dreams of telling Santa what they wanted for Christmas. So I think sometimes, you know, especially in the, in the Santa community now, these this day and age, you know, Santas are, you know, well, if you don't have a real beard, you're not a real Santa. And, you know, there's been a lot of riffs and back and forth, uh, but it's really about the heart. It really is about the joy that you bring forth as Santa that really matters. And to them, the children, it's not so much the physicality um, of what you look like. I think uh, Kurt Russell, you know, kind of, again, you know, Santa has changed over the years from Thomas Nash idea of Santa through uh, Sunbaum, uh, who did Coca-Cola's advertisement. That's really where we got most of the uh, advertisement for or the picture of our Santa uh, was out of the 1950 uh, paintings that he did for Coca-Cola. Um, and of course, you know, now we've got Kurt Russell, who's, uh, you know, thin and athletic and, you know, grayish, you know, a little bit of pepper uh, in his beard and his hair. And that's kind of the new Santa for some people, you know, so uh, Santa Claus does uh, definitely change and develop and grow uh, with the times. I heard a story, and I don't remember who told me that when your children were young, they did not know that you were the Santa and they were on your lap talking to you. 
that's true. Uh, I think the boys at that time were maybe 10, even at 10 years of age. I mean, you know, the, there's a physical ch- change with, you know, between you know, what I look like and when I, you know, don the uh, Santa suit and even to down to the cologne that I wear. You know, I think it's important that, you know, you pay close attention to every detail. So, as you know, it would be a special cologne that I would wear that I wouldn't wear any other time. Um, but your watch, you know, one of the, I remember as a child, you know, being on Santa's lap and he had a Timex on his, on his wrist. And I thought, oh, he's not the real Santa. So even to this day, I, you know, I have antique watches, uh, very specific uh, watches that no one else would wear that you wouldn't see. Um, and I think that's important because kids are very observant. I mean, they will, they will watch and they, you know, especially the older ones when you get into third and fourth grade, you know, they're looking for details. So, um, yeah, I've had them, uh, on my lap and, uh, it wasn't until I had a client call and when my son, um, Benjamin answered the phone, she said, uh, could I speak to Tom Long who plays Santa? Oh. So he had the, yeah. So he had the cordless phone and he brought it to the bedroom. I was watching TV and he said, uh, dad, this lady wants to talk to Tom Long who plays Santa. Uh, we're going to need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, I wasn't all very thrilled with that individual, but it was what it was. And I had actually reached out to uh, Santa uh, Craig out of Arkansas, who's really an awesome talent. And he put together a, a calligraphy, a letter of old parchment paper um, asking me from Santa to to be his ambassador that you know he can't be everywhere at, uh, at all times uh, during the non Christmas Eve time frame and so he needed ambassadors to help him represent him so he sent that to me it was beautifully done it you know it had the um, the wax seal and so he overnighted it to me and the next day I pulled that out and showed the boys and explained to them that you know I was called to, you know, to be Santa's helper. And uh, that's what I've been doing. So we kind of kept the magic going. Um, you know, the poor boys, uh, I have to tell you, let me, there was a time had new suits made and I asked the seamstress to take a piece of the cloth and tear it and sew on a little bit of the fur. And I actually put that in the, <laughs> the chimney, uh, you know, the, the, the part, yeah, as, and, you know, of course, when they came down the next morning, you know, they found it. They just couldn't, you know, they took it to school the next day. I mean, you know, Santa was there. He had ripped his jacket, you know. So we, you know, we definitely, as my wife and I, worked very hard to keep that magic alive for them as long as possible. And it still is today. Um, uh, it's just been a pleasure. It's been so much joy. I mean, you know, literally for years, I would... Um, get dressed, I would do maybe 80, 90 events a season. And uh, while they were young, I would get dressed up in my room and I would sneak out and I would, you know, sneak back in. Uh, We worked together as a team, my wife and I, and I would literally pack everything away uh, and uh, make that happen each and every time. So they didn't, you know, they didn't see any of that. Uh, Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. A lot of fun. My oldest grandchild is 10. He turned 10 in June. Yes. And I'm 
I'm watching the two boys while mom and dad and the sisters are away this week. And he asked me, did I believe in Santa? And I said, oh my goodness, yes, I do believe in Santa. And that's the first time any of the grandchildren have asked me that question. So I'm wondering how long it's going to be where he's going to still believe in Santa. And I've read other people giving advice to have a a meeting one-on-one with the child and, and to do as you do, to say, I've been asked to be Santa's helper. And now that you're this age, I'm asking you to be Santa's helper and give the child some responsibility about how important it is to give and to help and to keep that fantasy going for younger siblings and it's just younger children in general. Do you have a, a way of, or what's your response when children other than your own children ask about is Santa real? Well, I asked them, what do you think? You know, I kind of put it back on the child and usually, you know, obviously they're going to say yes, you know, and then because they'll ask, or sometimes they'll ask, are you the real Santa? And I'll say, you know, what do you, what do you think? And they'll be like, oh yes, yes. You know, so, uh, you know, I've really not had to deal with that question too much. You know, when, when children are coming to see me, there's about a two minute time frame in which they have the opportunity to get out their Christmas wishes and all, you know, especially, you know, in a mall situation, for instance, they're not thinking a whole lot about those questions. They're just, you know, they're just absorbing the joy of it all and um, and just being delighted to see to see me. So I haven't really had to deal with that. You know, I. For years, I had Santos talk about, you know, where they've had experiences where someone has lost a family member or a divorce, you know, and how do you deal with those situations? And really, uh, for 30 years, I never had anyone express that to me until I was at Founders Inn um, and I was the Santa there for about 13 years. And one time I had a family of four. Uh, the children and we were taking pictures and there was this eight-year-old he was behind me you know and he just seemed a little down a little out and so he we were done taking pictures and i asked him what he wanted for christmas and he had told me his mother she had passed away or had died in a car accident a couple months ago it it really takes you back you've got to be somewhat prepared and I pulled him around to the front of me and i said i'm so sorry that you know there were some things that even santa could not bring or do, but that she had given him the greatest gift of all, and that was life. And what that he did with this life now was important, and that she would be watching him to see what he did with his life, the greatest gift that she gave him. So that was my response to a situation that can be very difficult for everyone. You know, there's not always easy answers to difficult questions, but that was the way I handled that situation. And I saw him each year for about 10 years. And he was just growing growing up into a fine young man. Uh, he was going to college, he played uh, baseball and he would come and see me with his family. He made a point to make that happen. Oh, so, that's so special. There, yeah, there are special moments like that. But I, you know, every, every parent deals with, you know, that question at some point, you know, um, I might, my, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, they've never told the children that Santa wasn't real. They always said that he represented what was good about Christmas and the joy of Christmas and that they always believed in him. 
And of course, if you don't, you know, you get underwear for Christmas (laughs) (laughs) when you stop believing, Um, you know, so I think, you know, it's fantasy, obviously. It's Disney. Think children, you know, just kind of grow into a situation in which they realize that it's fantasy and it's wonderful and it's joyful and it's exciting. And they don't think much more of it than that. I think sometimes there are parents who just get way too bogged down in it. They worry about, you know, quote unquote, lying to their children, you know, and I don't think you have to necessarily lie, but I think you can, you know, you can keep the fantasy alive as long as they want to. And when they're ready and, you know, uh, then you can have whatever conversation you feel is best for that child. That's my thoughts on that. I always believed in Santa and I remember praying, I mean, fervently praying that I would get some kind of a toy. Because when I was a little girl at our school, when we went back after the Christmas holidays, there was always a day that was show and tell. And it's like, Mm. I don't want to take in my underwear that has the days of the week (laughs) embroidered on them. I don't want to take in my new pajamas. I don't want to take in my new socks. So please, Lord, please, Santa, bring me something that I can take for show and tell. And I honestly didn't care what it was as long as it was something I could take to show and tell. That's something. Well, (laughs) you know, I I, I remember those days too. And I I understand why they don't do it probably any longer. Uh, You know, putting children on the spot that way. I, you know, my, my mother-in-law's mother, um, she was born in the 1920s, I believe. And she, she remember, she always talked about how they received, you know, a piece of candy and some nuts and a fruit, an apple, a banana. They just were thrilled. Again, it comes back to that boy who just wanted the gift of hearing. I think sometimes we might get caught up in the material things and forget what's truly important. And that that's not always the most important thing, but it's being with family. It's, it's being loved. It's loving others. It's being kind, showing the joy of the season, being thoughtful and helpful to others, giving of your time. Those are the true gifts that we should give. When my children were little, I on Thanksgiving Day, after we had our dinner, it was that weekend that we started making gifts for all of our family. Mm-hmm. So this was the years of taking oranges and pushing clothes in them and making singing spice balls. And I would save Christmas cards and the kids would glue the cards on. And then I would dip the soap into hot wax so that there was a covering over the soap. You know, we would string popcorn and give those strands to our relatives so they could put them on the tree because I wanted the children to understand that it wasn't all about the things that they were going to receive, but it was Mm. also about what they were going to give. And I think I made that impression on them. And, you know, I've got pretty cool kids, so I'm happy. I think you do. (laughs) Yeah, they've done well. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think about, you know, the grandson at 10 years old asking you, this is the age in which, you know, they're going to school. You've always got families, you know, children, younger children their age or younger who have older brothers or sisters who, you know, pull them aside and, and start telling them. You know, they didn't believe in Santa or Santa's not real, things of that nature. And of course, they come to school and they start sharing it. So it's that whole, you know, fifth grade, sixth grade age or maybe fourth where they start, you know, hearing other opinions, 
you know, up until then, everybody believes, you know, and so that that can be, you know, part of the challenges that you face as parents is when, you know, the, the kids come home and they start, you know, having second doubts because of what other people have said at school. So, um, yeah. <laughs> what was your Christmas like growing up? Oh, my. I, you know, I had a wonderful childhood. Uh, I remember fond, you know, Christmases. For me, you know, it was, gosh, family. You know, Christmas Eve, we went to my mom's uh, mom's house, uh, had incredible foods. You know how grandmothers could cook, uh, you know, fudge, homemade fudge. She, you know, of course, she had a front porch that was enclosed, but would get very cold in Akron. Christmas and so a lot of the foods were kept out there <laughs> and she would bring it out and we'd just enjoy the food and, and, and just being together um, and then of course you know uh, Christmas Day was my my dad's side of the family we'd go and visit with them and, um, I, you know as a young boy I was a single child really up until I was seven years old but I think one of the fond gifts I got was a I think it was you know a banana split bike sickle you know and Gosh, I was out. I was out on Christmas morning, driving around on my new bike, going from house to house to all the people I knew to show them uh, my new bike. And of course, you know, I interrupted their Christmas mornings. I don't know what I was thinking. I just <laughs> a young boy excited about his new bike. And so, um, yeah, I you know, and I tell people all the time, you know, Santa visits. You talked about you know you, the joy that it brought to you and your family when I came to their house and. Um, you might remember, you know, your first doll or your first bicycle, you know, toys will come and go, but you get a visit at, of Santa in your home and you never, ever forget it. I mean, it's like a, it's like a vacation, you know, uh, yes. I, you know, I asked you what you got when you were eight years old for Christmas. You probably couldn't tell me right now, but boy, if you went, you know, out West with your parents in the car for a week's vacation to, you know, Grand Canyon. You you just never, ever forget that. I remember when I was about seven, eight, nine years old, my parents were getting us to bed. You know, it was time to go to bed. Santa Claus mm -hmm. is going to get here. And <laughs> all of a sudden, there was this thump on the roof. And <laughs> my dad said, oh, Santa's making a, you know, a pass oh. by. You yeah. better get to bed. And what happened is my mom's brother had come down and had thrown a rock on the roof. And this was all pre-planned sure. to, to make sure that we were getting into bed on time. <laughs> and that, that made a huge impact on me as a child. <laughs> you never forget those moments. Yeah, uh, it just, I did that to my daughter, Maddie. She was, you know, five years old and we went to my in-laws uh, at Christmas for, for several years, we went up there to Delaware and I brought a set of my bells along with me. And uh, she was in the bedroom, you know, it was Christmas Eve. And I took those bells and I rang them outside of the, and we laugh about this to this day, uh, you know, outside her bedroom. And I mean, literally everyone was in the living room, you know, talking and all. And she just come running in there and just said, quick, everyone to bed. Santa is here. I, you know, and, you know, to this day, we just laugh and laugh about that story because, you know, I don't think she ever went to sleep. The poor thing, you know, <laughs> so it's, those are the things that people remember, you know, 
Um, I, yeah, I just fond Christmas memories. You know, I remember my uncle uh, portraying Santa and, and coming in, you know, for one of our family gatherings and all that. You know, you just, those are the things you remember. So, and then of course, for me, you know, I, I grew up singing. I, you know, I sound, I had one of those Vienna boys choir type voices until about, I don't know, ninth grade. I, I was a first soprano and uh, I was asked to go to my uncle's church and sing on Christmas Eve. And I remember, you know, it hadn't snowed. I really just wanted some snow for Christmas and being in the church and singing Oh Holy Night and looking out and just seeing the largest snowflakes coming down on Christmas mm. Eve, you know, those are wonderful times, you know, and, and keeping focus on the true meaning of the season, the birth of Christ, gifts that he gave, um, you know, that's just a real uh, important part of my life. And, uh, and we try to keep that focus, you know, uh, we have a manger scene that we put on the fireplace every year focus on what what the true meaning of that season is about so that's important uh, for many people when i was a teenager a young teenager maybe 13 14 mm. my mom was uh very uh my mom's very creative very artistic and she took ceramic classes and made like a 14 15 piece major scene out of ceramics mm. and I still, and I, I got that mom gave it to me and that's an important part of Christmas is to put that up. And it really is special because my mother made it. Absolutely. It's traditions, you know, that's, mm -hmm. I think that is just part of our development and the importance of, of traditions, whether it's putting up a major scene that your mom had made or baking cookies or certain, you know, dessert that, you know, would make as a child with your mom or your parents or just you know uh, the christmas cantata uh, the sunday for some the midnight mass you know i mean all those things are so important to the development of who we are it's the connection of the past that you know that have great memories or great feelings uh, it could be the opposite for some but uh, you know as far as the holidays and christmas uh, for many you know, it's those wonderful traditions, you know, and uh, and being part of that um, as a Santa, that's what I'm creating, creating memories, uh, the songs that I sing, you know, music, you know, the sense of music uh, is just you can't even get your teeth filled without listening to music. I mean, it's just such an integral part of our life and the timelines of our lives. You know, we all have songs that just bring up such uh, incredible memories. So when, you know, I sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Here Comes Santa Claus, I love these 1950 songs, Susie Snowflake, uh, Holly Jolly Christmas. I mean, there's just wonderful songs that will be with people and their memories of, of Christmas for a lifetime. That's one of the things that I do that kind of sets, separates me from other Santas is the music aspect and being able to create shows uh, yeah, I love the 45-minute, what I call, living hallmark uh, shows for families that come and see the shows that I do. Oh, gosh, those have been some of the most wonderful. I did those at the at Founders Inn for years, the evening with Santa. They were so intimate. You know, 150 children and parents would come and gather around that, you know, 30-foot Christmas tree 
And, um, you know, from the entrance, uh, how I would enter, you know, I always would come in on, and I still do, Mariah Carey, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And there's a sweet little, you know, piano music at the beginning of that song. And I'll, you know, I speak over it, you know, off stage. And I'll, you know, oh, slow down, Rudolph. I think this is the place. Oh, look at all those wonderful children down there. Pull the sleigh down here, boys. I want to visit with them and have some Christmas fun. And, I, and of course, the bells start ringing. And then, you know, Mariah Carey, da, 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 you know, and it's just, it creates such an excitement, such a, you know, magical time i I use that same entrance at uh, butts road elementary you know i've been doing their breakfast with santa or dinner with santa for gosh 20 years now and it's their biggest event uh, of the year they literally have i think 350 people that attend each event there's two on the same day so from you know uh, from 12 noon until six o'clock i see you know 700 people and uh, it's just, it's just magical. It's so wonderful. I love Christmas. Oh. When, my, when my children were little, we went to St. Mark's Church in Kempsville. Mm. And we had a special Christmas mass for children at yes. about four or five o'clock. And we always had a birthday party for Jesus. So we would have mass mm. and then we would have this birthday party for Jesus. And then we would go home, eat dinner, and get the kids ready for bed. And wow. I think it was a good way of of honoring Christmas and honoring what this message is, but also it was a party where we could have, you know, we could we could celebrate Santa as well. So sure. I thought it was a good mix for the kids. And they always enjoyed that. It really is. I I have a good friend of mine, Mike Riley, and he is the founder and operator of ClawsNet, and it is the largest single, you know, Santa community um, website uh, in the in the world. Really, I think he's uh, maybe fifteen, twenty thousand Santas now. Uh, and, and that's the the internet is what has brought you know our community together, uh, giving us opportunities to you know share and to teach and to you know, talk about the experiences and so forth. But so this, this closet.com has really just given, you know, the Santa community opportunities to share everything from, you know, uh, beard care to, you know, padding to whatever, whatever the subject might be, or, um, you know, um, operating with children, uh, children with special needs, um, the deaf, uh, sign language. I mean, just on and on and on it goes. So he uh, actually um, is a Roman Catholic, and he uh, actually attends midnight mass as Santa, and 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 is involved in the uh, actual service. Um, you know, so he's been doing that for years, and I just think that's wonderful. Um, you know, I think we can have both. We don't has does not have to be one or the other, but you know, I think it's important that we focus again, on the true meaning of Christmas and what that, you know, what that represents, um, the birth of Christ. And um, so parents, uh, you know, especially within the, the Catholic community, that's that's really allotted, not so much in the Protestant faith. Uh, they, they really do try to keep the two separated, um, uh, you know, but that's that's fine. It, it's it's really doing what works well for, for your family and for your you know, your faith. So that's, it's a beautiful thing. 
Yes. Now I have one request and mm. I, I'm sorry I'm putting you on the spot. I didn't talk about this earlier, but would okay. you mind singing a song or two for us? Well, I could do uh, just a short thing of, of something here. Uh, I'm going to do it as I would as Santa. Okay. Got my bells with me, and uh, I'm going to sing a quick song for you. Is that all right? Oh, that's perfect. All Thank right. you. Uh, all right, here we go. Jingle, 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 you can hear my sleigh bells ring. I am Mo Chris Kringle, I'm the king of jingling. Jingle, jangle, reindeer, through the frosty air there go. They are not just reindeer, they're the happiest deer I know. Ho, ho, you must believe, Christmas Eve, I won't pass you by. Um, oh, <laughs> I'll make my way in my magic sleigh flying through the sky. Jingle, 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 you can hear my sleigh bells ring. I am old Kris Kringle, I'm the king of jingling. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Thank you. As we're ending up here, I wanted to share one of these thoughts from Dr. Seuss, and I, I, I absolutely love this saying, and it's it goes, maybe Christmas doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.